Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to the fall. Oh, yes, it came on this week. Feels great, but it is the cold weather that helps make those trees and leaves turn wonderful colors. We have Robert Craig with us this beautiful fall day. Robert, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Good to have you. Happy fall, everyone. Uh, leaves just beginning to turn, but not fully. Oh, it's just beautiful out. And folks, it is going to be gorgeous on Saturday this week, which means y'all need to attend one of our canvases and get out talking to voters. going to be in the 60s and sunny, and people are going to be in their houses and just waiting to hear from you. So folks, please uh, go to our links. We'll talk more about the elections later in the show. We're going to be joined by State Senator Jeff Smith. So, Matt, it, it used to be said that the weather on Election Day was important to turn out since Election Day starts much earlier. Now, if we can get good canvas weekends, that impacts outcome. But, of course, people then need to use the weekends to also canvas in addition to their good weekend activities. Absolutely, Robert. Folks, you got to get out. We'll we'll talk more about that. Again, Jeff Smith's going to join us. And we're also going to be joined by our endorsed uh, candidate for state assembly in the 96th, Jane Swiggum. Jane had some very interesting comments, very good comments about the importance of rural area and Democrats and progressives not ceding that territory. We want to talk to her about those those uh, her, her comments in the Wisconsin Examiner, but also hear more about her campaign in a very important part of Wisconsin. But Robert, we got to start. I want to I wanted to get your thoughts. You've been you were gone last week, so we we actually haven't talked a lot, but the big news earlier this week was Robin Voss in the January 6th investigation. He has been subpoenaed and he is fighting that subpoena. It is worth noting as we record Thursday morning that the hearing that was supposed to occur on Wednesday obviously did not occur um, because of the hurricane. And so, yeah, look, our thoughts go out to everyone uh, down in Florida, including my parents, Brian's parents. Um, very just uh, stunning in the magnitude and we won't get into it this week, but we know, and Robert could go on about this climate change. Uh, hurricanes don't go from category two to four and just shy of five. There may be actually when this thing's fully investigated, this may end up as a five in certain areas uh, without climate change. But again, thoughts go out to everyone. But the point being that investigation, the January 6th investigation was supposed to be on Wednesday, didn't happen. But Robert, we have to talk about Robin Voss. The big news this week is Robin's been subpoenaed, saying no. Uh, this is this is big because he he went to the media and started talking, right? And started saying a lot about, you know, oh, yeah, trying to be the tough guy, right? He was the tough guy who stood up to Trump. Uh, in the way those media stories came off. Well, it's those very stories, I believe, that have brought the subpoena on because uh, folks want to hear more. And he did not reveal the depths of those conversations. Robert, this is um, very interesting. Do you actually believe that Robin Voss will be testifying? Well, that requires me to predict what a judiciary pact with Trump and other right-wing appointees will do. Obviously, he should. He has direct information about an ongoing crime. There are criminal charges being filed and criminal investigations underway at the federal level. 
concerning not only January 6th, but the ongoing conspiracy to overturn the 2020 elections. And that's what this was about. Donald Trump, it didn't end. Donald Trump is trying to get him to overturn the 2020 election, which is what the January 6th insurrection was about. It was about preventing the certification and, and trying to force Mike Pence not to do his constitutional duty. And Robin Voss wants to have it both ways. Look, Robin's a smart man. He knows darn well the election uh, can't be decertified and it was fair. And he knows this Trump stuff is fascist trash, but he wants power. So he's trying to play it both ways. And he hasn't quite done it perfectly because Trump still became displeased with him. And he almost lost his primary to a no-name candidate. But he is still playing games. And for him to come out and say, well, I think this is just politics and through his lawyers, of course, this is and probably that we're paying for because he's claiming that he is exempt from talking about these things because of his legislative immunity. What is overturning the 2020 election talking to the ex-president have to do with his legislative work? There has been at the federal level, well, such an overexpansion of the rights of members of Congress and now legislators that it fits in with the whole right-wing dogma, which is accountability for them, not for us. We're above the law. Look, Robert, this is I've I've been talking about authoritarian streaks. And to me, this is the calling card of authoritarians, the idea that justice is unequal. And you, it's only justice for your enemies and for people other than you, right? And you have special privilege. You're above, and especially if you're somehow like in government, right? The idea that because he's in the legislature that he should not have to talk about something as huge and significant as what's going on around January 6th in the insurrection is ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And he can come in with lawyers. He's been subpoenaed. He can say some questions are out of bounds. They can try, you know, he has a right. That's fine. A legal defense. But this position is, this is ridiculous. This is political. He knows it's not. Okay. He understands. He's the one, Robert, who went to WISN. He's the one who went to the TV and talked. But he he was willing. Remember, he knew the Gableman clown show was a lie. He did it for political power. And just remember... The enablers of fascism are as culpable as the fascists themselves. People like Robin Voss and Mitch McConnell are making it possible that uh, that uh, the MAGA wing of the party could end democracy in the United States for their own individual personal power. Voss gets a gerrymandered legislature this year uh, again, and uh, that he cannot lose no matter what the voters do. And uh, McConnell's trying to pull off a Senate majority so he can pack the judiciary further and have more power, they're they're playing with absolute fire here, and they both know better. The, I'm calling those two men out because they know better and they play the game anyway because that's how much they don't give a shit about the country or patriotism or anything, and they only care about their own power. Well, Robert, I want to do a uh, topic change here, but I want to get your thoughts on this because um, it's connected to all this. The GOP this week, sued the city of Milwaukee over election records. This is um, this is important information. I want to make sure it was in the early part of the show here. Tell our listeners why this is a big deal. Well, part and parcel of the big lie in Wisconsin has been that when state government run by right-wing conservatives 
underfunds local governments who run our elections and they get outside you know contributions from philanthropy uh, to actually help have the resources to make sure everyone can vote then it's called some sort of scheme to steal votes with no evidence but their base believes it because it's their side and this is part of that uh chevy johnson was honest about seeking outside money uh to to actually do, uh to make make it more possible for more people to vote and to make sure voters knew where they could vote and all the ways they could vote and what the deadlines were and what they needed. And the, the GOP, the state Republican Party, immediately filed an open records request. Okay, that's their right to go on a fishing expedition. Uh, of course, there has to be actual evidence and there hasn't been any evidence that any of the things that Green Bay or Madison or Milwaukee or Racine did uh, what what was anything like voter fraud or even in any way other than getting election capacity yet Justice Gadelman, the alleged former state Supreme Court justice, I mean, they put him on the Supreme Court, but he's no justice of anything, uh, was uh, threatened to throw four mayors in jail. Okay, so now they okay, they filed the request. Then only two weeks later, when it's this very time consuming request that requires a lot of staff time, they file suit. Now, Voss says it, it shows bad faith that they subpoenaed him. No, no, no. As we just described, this is bad faith. They're not about the records. They're about now. Now they get headlines. Now they go on the right wing radio and their other social media sources. And their public thinks that Milwaukee is stealing the vote when there is no evidence of that whatsoever. This is all political games with our democracy because they want to trash it and don't care about what about what what their base knows or doesn't know or and is happy with them thinking that elections are being stolen they're not being stolen especially they involve majority minority committees like milwaukee so they play into race as well yeah look this stuff plays heavily into race they they literally a lot of their base doesn't want milwaukee to vote right like they they would be fine with Milwaukee being held to severe standards of proof of ID, all kinds of things. I, that's that's what is the problem with this, right? Like you you laid it out. This stuff has been litigated. There's absolutely nothing wrong. This is this is exactly what I said at the beginning about authoritarians. It's the it's it's disproportionate in terms of the way the law should be applied. But think about this. They they have not done anything truly to stop or deal with January 6th and the insurrection. And yet they're concerned about the city of Milwaukee going and getting extra resources to help people vote. That's that's what they want to demagogue on. And that's what the problem is in their world. It's that the city of Milwaukee is trying to get extra resources so more people can vote. And they don't care at all about January 6th. They want no accountability for it. Let just let that sink in as we head off to break here. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin where Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us all over the socials. You can also find us on the phones, on the doors, and you need to be involved in that. So folks, go check out our site. We've got lots of volunteer opportunities. We're going to be in five different locations this Saturday, every Saturday in October, Wednesday night, phone banking. We got links. Please sign up, get involved. It's the best way to push back against 
these trashy racist ads that we're being inundated with. Robert, I want to talk about those trashy racist ads because they're running. You all notice they're running in saturation on your television and they're going to set records. This race is going to set records for the spending. And, and Barnes is being woefully outspent. I'm guessing it's at least two to one right now. I'm starting to see some more Barnes ads uh, uh, from independent groups, um, which is encouraging. But it's been and these ads have been horrendous and trashy. Like the latest one is a victim of Waukesha essentially suggesting somehow Mandela Barnes, first of all, had anything to do with any of that and that he would support have supported that guy getting out. Right. Like a complete misrepresentation, complete fabrication of what his position is. Um, it's appalling. And these TV stations throughout the state have gotten rich off running these ads. They wash their hands of them. And yet Mandela Barnes, this went Monday, holds a press conference where he starts to really he, he pushes back on it's in the Cap Times. We'll have an article uh, in the link for you to look at on just really how woeful if 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 Ron Johnson actually cared about the actual funding of what keeps us safe. And that he hasn't, he didn't fund the, the, the COVID relief. He didn't fund infrastructure. He hasn't funded or supported the Inflation Reduction Act. All things that have critical components to keeping our communities safe. That go, that not only do they include public safety like police, but many other things that are fundamental that lots of people believe that are bipartisan. Robert, I just, you know, the Cap Times is the only place I could find any article, any anything coverage of this. And, you know, it's just it's it's wrong when these folks take all the money in and then their news side doesn't even cover like basic responses. Um, it's like finger on democracy 101, Robert. Because most of the media coverage of campaigns right now is either horse race or sensation of some kind it certainly doesn't try to enlighten the public on policy i'll just you mentioned this uh mandela did introduce a bill to end cash bail it did not get passed so it had nothing to do with waukesha furthermore it had nothing to do with waukesha because all ending cash bail does is make sure people are not put in jail uh having their fourth amendment rights violated simply because they can't pay bail it does allow judges and district attorneys to district to ask judges and judges to agree to hold people who are dangerous. It has nothing to do with Waukesha, even if it was in effect, but they've misled the public massively. Remember, folks, when you watch your TV shows and they all say, bail, we're going to revoke bail for this client because they're dangerous or they're a flight risk. Right, right. That doesn't change. Mandela's no. not against that. That has nothing to do with Mandela. He's against poor people being stuck in jail for nonviolent offenses when wealthy folks can just pay the money and go about their ways. Now, I'll say this uh, just to add even more, since we're going to add light on Battleground Wisconsin. There is an issue with the criterion for who is dangerous and not being dangerous being uh, stacked based on race. Actually, John Chisholm in Milwaukee has done a great job of figuring that out and trying to take the racial bias out of those judgments. But he is still making, he's a progressive, uh, he's been attacked endlessly for Waukesha. 
he's a progressive DA, but he you can also make those criterions less racist. So they're not always perfect, but they're you cash bail has nothing to do with it. This is about are you are you are you deprived of basic constitutional rights because you are poor? It's being put in jail because you're poor. Okay. Look, DA Chisholm is legitimately someone who belongs in the discussion, right? There was a decision in the DA's office, right, that is open right. for discussion. But to jam this in is just straight up like it's it's gross as some you know we live in this community and know how traumatic that what happened in waukesha was for that community and to for this trash that completely misrepresents not only what the policy is but like preys upon people's grief and one of the and while this trial this crazy trial is going on it's gross Anyways, I, I so just it we can try to shame the media into doing their job and TV is getting rich on this, as you pointed out, Matt. I want to repeat that over and over again. They've even higher obligation uh, and the media. Uh, there, There's kind of pretensions around some of the political media like they know what to cover. This is news. This isn't. Uh, but they don't really take. And by the way, their corruption is uh say Gannett, who owns Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and papers around the state, they want clicks. Why do they want clicks? So they can say they have a big audience. Why? So they can sell it to advertisers. So clickbait is the goal there, not enlightening the public. But then they get special constitutional protections because they're the fourth estate and they're supposed to play a role in democracy. But let me talk about the pivot. I want to compliment Mandela. I, you know, Look, usually Democratic campaigns come up with the right message a week before the election too late. So this is six weeks out. So that's good. It might have been good. Maybe he's been saying it and it hasn't been in the media. Right, Matt? Uh, but uh, to have this a bit earlier, but this is the right pivot in a couple different ways. First, look, Ron Johnson's colleagues in the legislature, his closest allies, they've been starving cities, counties, all local government for resources. And of course, that makes it hard for them to fund not only public safety generally, but yes, the police. Milwaukee is trying to get special permission to raise uh, sales taxes, the most aggressive tax, so we can pay the police pension. So these guys are not actually supporting the police. And then the American Rescue Plan had huge amounts of money for yes. public safety, including the good parts of public safety, like preventing crime in the first place and addressing things before they, they get to that level, and for the police. And Ron Johnson voted against it. And there's nothing in his record, and this is true of all the Republicans, that would actually make people safer. All there is is this kind of scare people with fear. Fear, criminals, black people, brown people, fear, fear, immigrants, open border, no policy. They just want to say that every election to hold power. So they then, as Mandela says, can route giant tax cuts to their billionaire buddies. That is what Ron Johnson is. He doesn't give Mandela's right a damn about public safety and except that it can help them hold on to his precious power. So Robert, there is still a long way to go. I, we know early voting is getting started, right? But the reality is a lot of folks will not vote until November. This is a long way for Ron Johnson to just, he's going to have to carry this crap all the way to the election. And, and these voters, right? These voters who swing and we know they're not a ton of them, but they are out there. And we'll talk to guests later who, talk to them all the time. Um, they're going to like have, they, they will at some point question some of this. And Mandela, I expect what he said on Monday 
that was only covered again in the cap times should have been on every damn TV station. Who's taking profiting off of this garbage. Yes. He should put this stuff up on TV, right? Cause it is the, nut, no, well, right? let, let me, let me say something to that. Yeah. Matt. So because he is less known, his campaigns do a very good job of funneling their money into saying who he is, right? Because they can define him. Otherwise look, Mandela, us, we're against all this dark money, Citizens United, but you have to fight the war that's before you, or they have power. You also have to be committed to changing the system and not lying about that. But the when Mandela puts it publicly, even in one place, like the cap time, right, then all of the dark money groups that are on the Democratic side can see what the messaging should be legally, because unlike Republicans like Scott Walker, he's not violating coordination laws and telling them what to do, but they can look at what he did in that article. And I'm saying this to all the all the Democratic side money outside of the campaign, put Mandela's message in the Cap Times on TV at high rates in every Wisconsin media and, market. And I'll just add, we're not always on the same page as the president, but the president actually sort of laid this messaging out earlier in the week, this or last week, a guideline on this. And I think it's extraordinarily effective. It also, it rightly puts it back on the major accomplishments of the last two years with a 50-50 Senate. It's, it's pretty impressive as someone who lived through the Obama administration. Folks, we're going to, we're going to uh, wrap this conversation up because we we have uh, two two guests that are coming up in the next segment to talk about something I want to just set up. And it is there's a fantastic article today in the Wisconsin Examiner. Again, we record Thursday morning about rural Wisconsin and have the Democrats really kind of seeded rural Wisconsin. Are they not being competitive? Uh, Jane Swigum has some very stark comments on. We'll talk to her later, but we wanted to invite Jeff Smith on who is uh, outstanding, obviously progressive state senator from Western Wisconsin and is in the thick of this and uh, could speak to this better than anybody else. Jeff will join us right after this break. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are very fortunate to be joined by state senator Jeff Smith. Good morning, Senator. Good morning. Glad to be here. Well, Jeff, I, I uh, asked you to come on on very short notice because I woke up this morning and read an outstanding article in the Wisconsin Examiner about rural Wisconsin and Democrats not really contesting. And I think it was more of a critique of Democrats broadly, the state party, I think, nat, you know, statewide as opposed to, quote, local Democrats. In fact, it featured Jane Swigum, who we've endorsed. Uh, she's running for the uh, 96th Assembly District. We'll talk to her later. Um, but wanted to talk to you because you're a Democrat who's actually won in these areas. And I know because I went out and did doors with you when you were first running and you spent a ton of time in rural areas. So I wanted to have you on and get your thoughts to the article and just your thoughts to why it these rural areas are absolutely so critical to Democrats. So first of all, thank you again for joining us. So, Well, they really are. And thank you, Matt. Um, critical. They're critical because we have shown our strength in uh, metropolitan areas, particularly if they have campuses, right? Even in my district, I have the city of Eau Claire, the campus of UW Eau Claire, 
and where there is a lot of opportunity for information, people generally um, vote for the facts rather than conspiracies. That's, I think, is maybe a way to put it. Um, I have seen that also in River Falls. Um, now, River Falls in, in the new Supreme Court gerrymandering, River Falls has been added to my district. So I have two uh, campuses now. So it's uh, it, it's similar. So I, I think my my theory is correct. If people are informed, they vote for Democrats. But we so our job is to be sure we're out there informing people in places that don't have as much opportunity for that. That's that's what it's about. It shouldn't be rural versus urban. It's informed and and not informed, or opportunity and not opportunity. And uh, and I think that's that's our goal is to is to reach people and give them that opportunity. I'll assume too when when you talk about opportunity, right? You're you're talking about in some ways just basic logistics of how you, you can, one can communicate affordably and effectively to folks in a city versus when you get into rural areas, mass media, other things, it bec- media becomes more challenging to pay for that or to physically go into that space, and and that is just a basic dynamic, is what I hear you also saying. Yeah, it certainly is. And you know me, Matt, I all too well. Um, we've been friends a long time, but you know how, how I am. I operate. I, I take my old 23-year-old truck out into the rural areas with a huge sign that I set up and, and offer people to stop and talk to me rather than me having to try to find them all the time. And I think that has been very helpful to me, but it, um, it gives people that comfort that they have the opportunity to talk to an elected official or someone running for office and, uh, and let them know how they feel about things. Uh, you know, and, and I will say one thing, Matt, I've been told I'm a dinosaur because I'm a Democrat in a rural district. And I, and I really, really don't like it when someone has says, I usually turn around and say, well, no, I think I'm the new generation of Democrat in the rural area. Well, what do you think happened, Jeff? You've been involved in politics, Democrat politics for a long time, for a long time as a volunteer before you ever won elected office. And I can even remember when I started out around the turn of the 20th century, that there was just a lot more emphasis on rural areas in the Democratic Party. And there were a lot more elected state representatives from the big rural areas, the North Woods and Western Wisconsin. So I just wonder, since you've been there on the ground, and you, for people who don't know this, Jeff has done a tremendous job over the years before he's ever elected building grassroots capacity in the in the greater Eau Claire area, the whole the whole region. And so you're someone who believes very strongly in engaging everyone and talking to everyone. Uh, what is your perception of how that's changed over the last 20 years? How can we be at a point where Democrat candidates are in news stories six weeks before the election saying that their party has abandoned rural areas? Well, I like the way you started by saying you started in the beginning of the 20th century, Robert, but I know you meant the 21st century. 21st, end of 20th, right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. But I often, I say this every day and more a number of times. That the first decade of this century is how I always start a lot of my conversations, how different things were in the first decade. And now we're in the third decade of this century, and it has changed so much. I think, in fact, you can um, 
it, it starts at the top, right? And Robin Voss was recently quoted as saying at a national conference that frankly, this is his words, frankly, I discourage my members from fraternizing with the other side. You know, when when that is the case, it's all the way down. And I have people who have who have slapped my hand away at parades rather than shake my hand politely or just to, just totally just walked away from me without taking my card. Now that I think I'm actually encouraged there are there aren't as many people doing that as as you might think, but that never would have happened. And I used to get this is this is really a telling thing to me. It was a badge of honor for people to say, I vote for the person, not the party, in that first century of the deck of this of this century. But now I rarely hear that. I rarely hear that. And we have got to do a much better job. And I and I agree with this article in so many ways and, and what you're talking about in that we have in my in my particular region, we have four amazing female candidates of all years. This is the perfect year and for a female candidate to step to really change 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 this thing and, and, and to be leaders in our legislature. And our party is uh, written off those those uh, districts, and I understand gerrymandering. I understand how numbers work, and but but we don't always. We shouldn't always be focused on those numbers when we feel there is a there is a change um, based on the fact that Roe v. Wade's been overturned. That there are people, re, uh, Republican voters, who just have had enough of Trump and this election lie, and I do know. Um, the generation, I know I'm old, but there is a generation older than me, and those Republican voters that I've known for mo all my life have told me they just cannot vote for the Republican Party now. And when I hear that, I, I know that that change is there, and, and but we're on the ground hearing that, but the numbers that the party has seen for the last couple of cycles are driving their decision-making. Yeah, I can say as someone who often ends up in some of these strategic circles, I'm shocked at the lack of vision to see beyond, shall we say, incumbent protection and not understand that no matter how challenging these maps are, Tina, there is no alternative. Like, how, how do you have a plan to get a majority if we don't go back in and start contesting. Even if you can't win the majority because of gerrymandering, you need to go in and contest those areas to win some future majority that you think you're getting if the Supreme Court magically changes, right? Or whatever fantasy delusions we have about what's gonna happen in the next decade. And you can't win statewide if you're hemorrhaging in these areas because you're seeding them and not truly contesting them. And Jeff, this gets back to what Robert mentioned early on. One of the reasons like we we always got along uh, uh, is because you believed in building organization on the bottom. The, Eau Claire isn't just an amazing progressive place just because of the University of Eau Claire. It's because there is a 
vibrant Democratic County Party. There's progressive movements there. There's organizations, Citizen Action. We have staff there and, and have for a while, in part thanks to you, Jeff. That shit makes a difference. And like the party has to invest in that and has to not has to care about that in terms of thinking about it on the ground. And I, and I know a lot of people do. I'm not suggesting they don't. It's just it often doesn't materialize in actual plans, um, especially yeah. when you talk about the state legislature. Yeah. And I, I want a, a couple of things. And, and you're right. I, I take pride in the fact that in Eau Claire, after the 2004 election, which was the first time I was involved with our party, we chose to keep our office and we have kept an office open every day since then. We're talking 18 years. We were the first county party to do that. And of course, the state party um, resisted. They didn't like, they thought it was a dumb idea. It was a waste of money, but it has changed the way the city of Eau Claire, we have a progressive city council, as you know, quite progressive city council, a progressive school board. And up until this last spring election, we had a 26 to three advantage on the county board. Um, and and we did, that still hasn't changed that much. We have a, a still a wide uh, margin on the county board. So it, it, it does make a difference. It changes the way people think. And now we have this city that is thriving because people want to live in a place like this. And it, it, that, I just, that's a great example. But I'll say one other thing, going back to the legislature. The Democratic Party frustrates me in that we cannot, we cannot give up on seats and lose seats because when you lose something, it's much harder to get it back. And we did that two years. We lost two Senate seats, and we're on the we're hanging on by our fingernails in the state Senate, right? And we can't continue to do that sort of thing and then expect, oh, the maps are going to save us. Well, it's still if we keep losing seats and we are in such a deficit that even when the maps finally become what we call fair, it's still going to be hard harder to get it back. You can't just depend on that and wait for that moment, which might not happen for quite a while. Senator Smith, we really appreciate you taking the time, Jeff. It, 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 it's, uh, we really appreciate it. And we want to encourage our listeners in the area. We're out doing doors every weekend, but also please reach out to Jeff, volunteer. I've done it with him. Jeff goes and works towns of 300, 400 and talks to voters, right? It's what we have to be doing all over the state contesting everything uh, please uh, sign up volunteer help help jeff get reelected it's absolutely critical that we have voices like jeff smith in the state senate jeff you, thank you so much for joining us today on short notice and um, doing the kind of organizing and the work you've been doing for decades uh, in your community we we appreciate you thank you matt and robert you know how much i appreciate you too and with that folks we're going to take a break and come back with jane swigham who had this great quotes in this article that we were just talking about and is also our endorsed candidate in State Assembly 96. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are going to continue our conversation about rural Wisconsin and Democrats and uh, fighting for these rural areas. We are welcoming Jane Swigum, who is our endorsed candidate for State Assembly 96 seat. Jane, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So to our listeners who don't know exactly where the 96th Assembly District is, it is a very large rural area to the east of 
lacrosse. And, and it's, it is an area that in the past, I've been doing politics a long time. It was once represented by Dwayne Johnsrud, a very all over uh, Republican who supported workers, was pro-union, but also there was not an animal. He didn't like to shoot or <laughs> and, and <laughs> things like that. But this, this is an area that um, often 20 years ago, Democrats would carry up ticket, but we would often lose down to Dwayne Johnsrud. And that has not changed. And um, even though the district, I think, is definitely more challenging because of redistricting than it was in the past, Jane, um, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and why you, first of all, decided you wanted to run in this district. And then we'll talk more about what you've been experiencing. Well, I am Jane Swiggum. I live in Gays Mills. I am a native of Gays Mills, Beautiful. which is super rural. I live in basically the center of my family farm. So I grew up rural and my beliefs are very country, if, which may sound a little backwards to some people, but in the country, you are concerned about your neighbors. And when you are a farm family, the other farm families and that community is so supportive. So when we raised tobacco, when I was a kid, the Heist family would come over and they would help us harvest and vice versa. We would go over there and help them harvest. It's a tremendous sense of community. And people have a lot of compassion for their neighbors in this district. But what I'm seeing is a lack of that compa uh, compassion from our legislature. So why did I decide to run? Well, I was contacted by the Crawford County Democrats when it turned out that Lauren Oldenburg would be running unopposed. And they asked if I would run because I had run in 2020 for state, state Senate. So I said, yes, I would do that. And why am I doing it? Because as a nurse, I am truly people focused. You cannot argue that I am anything but people focused. I don't care about big money donors. I don't care about political party agendas. And I sure don't care about helping uh, corporations get bigger and bigger breaks and pollute and pollute and pollute. So I'm, I'm just your regular old clock punching nurse and <laughs> I'm taking care of patients. Now I want to expand that and help to take care of my neighbors in the 96th. Well, listeners, I think you can understand why we endorsed Jane hearing that background. Um, look, I heard a number of things in there that um, I would like to talk more about with you in terms of as it relates to the article that um, we just discussed with Jeff Smith as it, uh, uh, in the Wisconsin Examiner around rural areas and Democrats, are they really contesting? And you had some comments in there. You, you took a real, you took a good shot at the party. I'm sure you've, you've heard from some people already very unhappy yeah. um, about what you had to say, but look, this is a, this is, that's a, that's a journal that speaks where we as progressives often talk to each other. And I don't think you said anything that, Nobody is shocked to hear uh, Democrats have been struggling in rural areas. And I think your comment speaks a little bit more to how are we thinking strategically about how we're investing in those areas and what are we talking about? You, in that article, mentioned healthcare, and you just talked about corporate power, because to me, those are issues that transcend rural urban, uh, and they get to the heart of what we see as the future of the party, whether urban or rural, and that is that corporate power and people in communities versus, shall we say, unaccountable power 
uh, like that. Could you talk more about that? Because from what I gather, that's very popular, whether you're Democrat, Republican, or independent. So hit the healthcare part first. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Go for that. Well, that's my area, guys. I am a 22-year veteran of nursing, and most of that time has been spent in the emergency department. So I have a unique perspective on what is important in this district and in Wisconsin and basically the U.S. So healthcare. Healthcare is awesome in that it is a problem for everyone. When you go and you talk to someone, regardless of how they fall politically, and you say, tell me about your health care. Everybody's got issues, every single person. And it's ridiculous. And what I see all the time is people who are super sick, who are not going to see a primary doctor because they are uninsured, Many of these people are not able to get badger care because their income is too high. And it's really not high, but there's a cutoff. So they're coming in and we'll have like a, a young woman who brings her three-year-old daughter in, which is what happened not too long ago. And the daughter was having problems. Um, she was not walking normally, different things. So it turns out she um, got worked up for a brain tumor. Can you imagine the stress and misery of that mother first for her child and then for what's going to happen to her financially? So these are real situations. These are things that pertain to everyone. We are all but one bad car accident or one devastating diagnosis away from homelessness, frankly. And that shouldn't be the case. Um, and let's get to the family farms. I spoke specifically with a woman whose Century Family Farm is very likely going to be lost because her brother has had two major medical things happen. And he is in so much debt that he's had to sell his cattle and he's selling off land bit by bit. Could you imagine how different it would be if we had badger care for everyone in the state? So... I can give you tons of examples. I can pound this as much as I possibly can. And when someone actually takes the time to listen to me, even though I am a Democrat, we come away friends. It's amazing how that one thing unites everyone. And that's what we need to focus on. That is what the Democratic Party needs to focus on, is helping everyone. And the best way we can do it right now is through healthcare. Robert. Next question. Let me uh, lean in on healthcare. That was great, Jane, what you laid out. So one thing that confuses Democrats and probably contributes to their short-term strategies every election, which underemphasize rural areas, which becomes a long-term problem because the more you don't do that, even if it makes sense for an individual election, it accumulates and you have less and less relationships. But I would call it, uh, you know, the Thomas Frank, what's the matter with Kansas problem. If you look at healthcare, people have fewer large employers in rural areas, which means they don't have access to the, the best way to get healthcare if you're a prime working age, that is an employer that provides it. Uh, in addition, they often have very variable incomes or even lower incomes because they're dealing with uh, with crops, right? And it, it, they don't ha necessarily have a big salary and they and they may be poor part of the year and not poor another part of the year. So their income goes up and down. Nevertheless, the Republican Party offers nothing to them on that. 
Uh, they have no healthcare plan for people in rural areas whatsoever. They support the big insurance companies, the, the big hospital systems. Uh, the, they, they refuse to expand Badger Care. They're turning away, they've turned away billions of dollars that would raise the eligibility rate to 133% of poverty. There's an ability under the ACA to raise it even higher, to double it from the current level to 200%. And that is in Christina Shel Representative Christina Shelton's bill, our, our close ally and member from Green Bay, state representative. Uh, that would be tremendous for all of Wisconsin's rural areas, but they don't, people don't vote on it or they don't know it or some combination. So I just want your sense because you live in rural area, you know it. So how do we communicate that? And I think it's true of a lot of economic issues too. I think that rural areas are starving for investments and, and, and voters are wrong for a party that's against making investments, right? That's the, how rural areas become prosperous again. But on healthcare, why, why, are we, why are we as an, I don't, I don't really consider myself a yellow dog Democrat. Democrats are the only place we can actually move progressive reform, but not all Democrats are sufficiently progressive, right? But where, where's the disconnect there on who has a policy that would actually help rural areas with this devastating healthcare situation versus who the rural voters are, are voting for more and more every election? Around here, a lot of people are simply not political. Um, they get a little bit of news here and there, and it, it's just not something that's a big deal to them. So I think that's the reason why we are having people who keep electing Republicans is because they don't really know everything that can happen to make their lives better if we simply focus on them. So that is one way that the Democratic Party could be pounding the airwaves right now with positive messages about, you know, the Democratic Party supports health care for all. Then we run into the problem, though, that the people we elect are saying, no, I don't believe in that. I don't I'm not Medicare for all. What? Um, how can you not be? The focus of a government is to take care of its people. And if you're not going to help the people, why even bother getting elected to office? So we simply have a disconnect here between what is and what really is possible to do. And it's going to take the ability to cross over back and forth. This across the aisle stuff, I can't stand the sound of that. But you know what? If you can talk to someone regardless of those stupid letters at the back of the, the name, you can come to common ground, you can bring forward things that are important, people who've had experience that were terrible, you know, you can bring them together. It's that sense of, of unitedness that we need to bring in for all the people in the legislature. So I don't know that that fully answered your question, but that's what I see in rural Wisconsin. They are tired of basically seeing nothing coming from the government um, that is helping them in their daily lives. There's that big disconnect. And then um, I don't believe they are fully informed about the things that we absolutely can do if we simply focus on helping people. No, I think you answered, we need to talk to people. You're talking to people. Citizen Action Wisconsin is doing rural organizing, more people need to make these connections and we need to develop more rural voices such as yours because like any group you're going to more listen to it to just someone who lives in your community than you are to someone who lives 
somewhere else who is seen as not having your experiences. Well, Jane, we want to thank you for taking the time to come on this morning on late notice. Um, but most importantly, we want to thank you for running for office on the values and the way you're running for office. Uh, it matters immensely. So uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us and uh, for running. Thanks for having me. Okay, folks, we got to unfortunately wrap up this podcast. We want to encourage you. We'll have links. We'll put a link on to Jane's site. Please go support Jane. Volunteer if you live in the area. Uh, help her get out and talk. You heard her message. How would you not want to help sh carry that message? But folks, we got to go. Got to wrap up this show. Please get out and volunteer this weekend. We're in five different places around the state. Uh, we're, we're making calls throughout wisconsin including really high targeting of rural areas on wednesday evenings we'll be adding sundays soon please get out get involved be a part of your democracy we'll see you next week at the battleground wisconsin before we go i want to thank our producer brian wildridge james wiggum for joining us and jeff smith see you next week at the battleground wisconsin <laughs>